Welcome to Talking in Vain, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. I'm your host, Dawn Berendt, the Infusion Nurse Educator for the INS. My guests today are Stephen Rowley and Simon Clare. Stephen Rowley is the Clinical Director for the Association for Safe Aseptic Practice and the originator of ANTT, Clinical Practice Framework. The Association for Safe Aseptic Practice is a nonprofit, non-governmental organization with a global purview. Working closely with organizations and governments around the world, Stephen has helped realize improvements in aseptic practice and healthcare-associated infections. His peer-reviewed publications are widely cited, and as a leading opinion leader and expert on aseptic technique, he lectures internationally. Simon Clare is the Research and Practice Development Director at the Association for Safe Aseptic Practice. He has been a registered nurse for 29 years and a clinical nurse specialist for 16 years. His background is in hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. And he has worked at the Myeloma Institute at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in Little Rock, Arkansas, and at the University College London Hospitals. Simon is former visiting lecturer at City University of London and a member of the European Society for Blood and Marrow Transplantation Research Group. Simon was a joint winner of the 2008 Nursing Times Award for Infection Control Nursing. Before we start the podcast today with our guest, I want to share an acronym with you, and that is ANTT, which stands for Antiseptic No-Touch Technique. The acronym ANTT will be used throughout this podcast as Stephen and Simon tell us about their work. Thank you both for being my guest today. So welcome, Simon and Stephen. We are glad to have you back again today at this uh, for this session of Talking in Vain. Um, let's jump right in. In our last podcast, you introduced to us the Association for Safe Aseptic Practice and how this organization was started. Today, I would like you like to ask you to share about your current work and uh, what's new, what's coming. Uh, who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, what's coming? Okay. Um, well, some really, uh, just to recap, we're in about 25 countries uh, in various ways at the moment and growing quickly. Um, I think what's changed for us a lot in the last two or three years in particular is the diversity of projects we're being asked to get involved with, with ANTT. And that's ranging now from... Uh, the emergency services to um, the humanitarian uh, sector. We've just started a five-year collaboration with MSF, Medicine Sans Frontières. I'm not sure if I pronounced that properly. They're one of the largest uh, relief um, organizations in the world. Mm. And um, poor old Simon's been out to some very challenging uh, site visits in places like Sierra Leone, uh, South Sudan, and, and so on. And that's been incredibly enlightening and and sobering and motivating all at the same time. We've been um, really pleased to get involved with INS uh, in the last 12 months. So we were delighted to join the the editorial board for the next INS guidelines coming out, I think, in 2021. Um, And we sat down for the first editorial 
board of that earlier this year up in, um, where were we, in North America? I've seen much of it. Boston, in Boston. Yes. And uh, that was great. So we're, we're writing a load of, uh, helping write a load of standards for that. And we're very excited that INS are keen to integrate ANTT into those standards. So that's definitely a highlight. Um, we're off to Russia in a couple of weeks' time, looking at a, uh, sorry, working with an, a, in, uh, a Russian-wide uh, neonatal uh, organization with a project there aimed at standardizing ANTT in that domain. So it's a very long list, Dawn, and uh, it never stops being added to it. Okay. He said, sounding very tired. It it sounds yeah. It sounds like you guys are very busy, and um, there's there's plenty of work to do. So let's let's move on. I want to talk. You mentioned a number of countries there, so I want you to tell us about the global response to the efforts of the Association for Aseptic Aseptic Practice. Uh. Well, it's, as we were saying, it's, it's quite varied because we're in so many different places. But to just give you a couple of examples, um, it's been, ANTT has been the national clinical standard in Australia since about 2010. Um, and that project has developed lots of um, research that people are now beginning to have, um, you know, close to 10 years with ANTT now. So we're learning a lot about uh, what that looks like long term, so that's been very useful. And the project in uh, Australia has changed um, quite a bit over the years. Um, if we look at what we're doing with Medicine Sans Frontières, with their operational centre in Amsterdam, um, we've piloted AMTT in a couple of centres, as Steve was saying, and that's enabled us to design bespoke clinical guidelines on the ground um, in some of the most challenging places in the world. Mm. So I think what I'm saying is we're demonstrating that ANTT can be used in many different places in any sort of clinical situation. Um, and that shows something about the versatility of it. Um, but the demand for ANTT is increasing exponentially uh, and in some very uh, interesting places. A couple of examples, I'm going to Poland in a few weeks do some teaching there, uh, and they'll be developing guidelines in Polish. And so we've got That's translations in, in the works. Yeah, yeah, so we've got translations in the works right now. Uh, we're getting Italian translations. Uh, Steve worked on some Portuguese translations in Brazil last year. Um, but, yeah, so that's just the flavor of some of the things that we're doing. So very versatile, um, and you can use it pretty much anywhere you can think of. Wonderful. So what personally motivates each of you to continue with this, this work, this labor? That's a good question. Um, but it's an easy one to answer, Dawn. Um, we're, well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer to myself, and, then, and I'm sure Simon will have a, uh, an answer too. So uh, I'm a nurse, and so obviously my motivation comes from why I went into nursing, and it might sound uh, easy to say, but it's it's genuinely meant. Uh, so our, my motivation comes from obviously making a difference to patients, uh, improving patient outcome, and uh, hopefully improving patient experience wherever that might be. Mm -hmm. 
I, as a, I guess as a, as a practice educator, um, I like nothing better than changing people's minds, particularly when they're very entrenched in quite traditional thinking. Uh, and there's something very satisfying about being able to shed some light on new practices, new techniques, and, and to really see people have that moment of realisation that maybe there is a better way to do something. Uh, and I, I really enjoy that. I enjoy changing people's minds, I guess, and, and giving them the ANTT project. Okay. Okay, so we're going to move on and talk about the future goals. Um maybe your vision for the Association for Safe Aseptic Practice. Um, what do you see in the years ahead? You've done so much over the past decade. Um, what more is there? Um, there's an awful lot there. Um, the thing about this project is it only gets bigger. I think when we set out, we thought there would be a, a pretty hard start and stop point, but uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. I'm, I'm pretty sure this won't be a case of us uh, in our careers getting to an end point and closing the project. I think it will almost certainly be a case of um, the project being handed over to a larger organisation for uh, ongoing development. Um, our ambitions for the project uh, remain primarily the same as they did when we started, and that was to develop one single practice standard for this critical clinical competency of aseptic technique uh, using ANTT. Uh, that's a work in progress. Um, another area that we have big ambitions for and haven't done too much work in is in patient involvement. Uh, there's a lot of power uh, that can be exercised from patient involvement in improving compliance and Standards. They're excited about some projects we have in uh, progress there. Um, another key ambition is to see a universal approach to ANTT education uh, and assessment, very much, very much akin to CPR uh, critical competency. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Nurses and other healthcare professionals really engage when we share case studies and tell patient stories. And I was at a conference, an INS uh, 2018 conference in Cleveland, and you showed some photos. And there was one that was particularly impactful for me. And that photo has really stayed with me over the past year. You were You showed... Actually, two photos. You showed one in a clinical setting, um, and you're saying which one of these two photos is um, practicing ANTT? And there was one in a clinical setting that looked kind of so-so, and then there was one out uh, in a in a dirty, dusty area. There was a little tub, and there was some water running over a patient's wound. And surprise, surprise, the one that was practicing ENTT most effectively was the setting that we didn't expect. It was the non-sterile, non-hospital setting, but that photograph really impacted me. So I'm going to ask you if you have some patient stories, you know, where we really hit bedside and 
you have some things to share about the impact directly with patients. Yeah, of course. Uh, two two stories come to mind. One quick one and a slightly longer one. I'll start with a quick one, Dawn. Um, we had a patient inquiry a couple of months ago. Uh, this patient was, I think actually they were in the States. I can't remember. I think they were in the States somewhere. And they were having... Uh, what we call total parental nutrition here, TPN. Is that the same terminology that, in the States? That is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And they were having that at home. And they wrote in with concern that they had been having this at home now for a number of weeks and a number of weeks before that in the hospital that had set it up for them. And they were concerned that the variation in technique uh, which they had become to accept as a variation in standards and effectiveness, rightly or wrongly, um, that they were seeing, and also a variation in what practice, in sorry, in how different practitioners were mm. articulating that practice to them in terms of terminology. And this did nothing less than you'd imagine. It scared them witless. They were very, mm-hmm. very concerned, but rather embarrassed, but rather embarrassed to raise the question. Um, so what we did was try and arm them with a little bit of information that would empower them uh, to identify what practices they should worry about, which practices they shouldn't. Uh, and that went quite well, and the, the service that were involved actually got in touch with us and asked us for a bit of um, ANTC education and resources, which was a nice ending to that story, and we know the patient was happy with that. So that was a, that's a, that was a nice one. Um, now, I've got a memory like a fly, and I'm trying to remember what the second <laughs> one was. Oh, I know, I remember. So, the second one, I'm telling a story for Simon now. He's a better storyteller than me, but I'll tell it anyway, because he's probably forgotten it. But it, it resonated with me when he went to um, the South Sudan uh, about six months ago with MSF. And this was a very, very challenged setting where a UN... Um, camp had been built for 30,000 refugees and over five or ten years it ended up with 135,000 refugees in it. So you can imagine the pressure pressure on this very small hospital and clinic was was quite extraordinary and typically they didn't have the medical equipment and supplies that we're lucky enough to have and take for granted in many Western uh, healthcare settings. And what was interesting that we, when Simon goes out on these things or our other uh, staff do, we shoot a lot of video and photos for the record and have a lot of discussion in real time during those two to three week site visits. And it became very clear to us looking at the challenges they had in, in practice, whether that was IV work, cannulation, wound care, minor surgery, that the staff there were desperately trying to be aseptic in technique, but were almost trying to imitate Western understanding of aseptic technique. Mm. They were rather fixated on having an, an aseptic field when they couldn't have an aseptic field. They didn't have sterile drapes. They didn't have disinfectant that they, in the right way to uh, disinfect procedure trays. So therefore, practice was almost being given up on. And what Simon realized was that for a lot of procedures, 
for example, the prepping of an IV medication and the administration of that could actually be done using the core principles of ANTT. And one of the core principles of ANTT is that you identify the key parts and you protect it. And you primarily protect it in three ways. One is by the basic standard precautions uh, in preparation for that procedure. So that's hand cleaning, which they could do, uh, and some glove uh, use, which they had. And the second way you protect the key part in ANTT is non-touch technique, wherever you can, and it's practically possible. So timing could definitely and did reinforce this concept of identifying the key parts, worrying less about all the other equipment they were getting very concerned about. And lastly, when you've spotted those key parts and know where they are, you can identify them with what we call microcritical aseptic fields, which is just a fancy word for a small aseptic field. Mm. And that's just a, a, fancy, a fancy word for a, a sterile cap, or in this case, the inside of syringe packets. And what they were doing, these staff, they were opening up the syringe packets and they were discarding the syringe packet and then putting the syringe down on a dirty, dusty table because they didn't have the sterile tape. And what Simon was able to identify immediately was that he could improve practice no end just by teaching staff to use the utilize that syringe packet inside, which is essentially sterile, recently been opened, had the added benefit of not being prone to all the dust in the environment. And a very, very simple practice change pretty much transformed practice there in terms of protecting key parts. Uh, so that was a really good case study for us and taught us uh, a big lesson about the... It gave us a lot of assurance, actually, about the key principles of ATT. Very good. Very nice. Um, Simon, do you have any other things to add? No, that was uh, that was a much better recollection, recollection <laughs> than, than I could have put together. Very uh, good. But it, it's absolutely right. I think with a few changes in the way that they managed equipment and the way that they managed aseptic fields, they were able to produce very high quality aseptic technique uh, in a really challenging environment. Mm. Okay. Um, so it really does uh, point out that even when you're in a desperate situation, a field type situation, there are things that we can do. Um, that ensure patient safety and 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 protect a patient against infection. Stephen and Simon, we have one more INS podcast where we'll have the opportunity to talk yet again. And in that session, we'll be addressing patient involvement, and I really look forward to that discussion as well. Let's close today's session by having you review some of the resources that your organization makes available for clinicians. Okay, happy to do that. So um, we um, we provide a number of resources, and we work on the premise that the more organisations that use our standard resources, um, in, improves the likelihood of of staff being trained uh, accurately in ANTT. So one thing we've always done as a non-profit is have a rule to ourselves that any organization or individual should be able to implement ANTT with resources at no cost. So we provide what we call our ANTT core resources. 
uh, at no cost, and that's our aim, and we, we will always do that. So I think it's very important when you're trying to develop an international standard, obviously, to have access that is accessible to everyone, not just people who can afford it. So our core resource pack is available on request. People can just email in and ask for it. There's details of it on the website, www.antt.org. And that suite of resources includes all the um, increasing set of ANTT procedure guidelines, uh, audit tools, competency assessment tools, um, the framework in full, explained and, and so on. Now over and above that we do provide more comprehensive resources which we charge nominal amounts for. So the next step up from that free pack is what we call a, an ANTT implementation program pack and that basically just has uh, more extended, more comprehensive resources. Uh, that's sold uh, uh, at the risk of sounding like a salesman, which I'm not. Uh, that's sold at a very uh, cheap price, should we say, about <laughs> I think it's about £400. So for an average organisation, that's about $400 uh, for a set of resources and training videos that they can use as they wish across many thousands of staff in an organisation. So that's very subsidised and still pretty much uh, accessible to most people. We also provide e-learning courses. We've got two courses. Uh, one is uh, slightly longer and more comprehensive than the other, and that's overseen by an international e-learning company that helps us disseminate that to anyone that wants it uh, globally. Uh, that does cost uh, money because that e-learning has a back end to it and needs servicing and integrating and looking after. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also have a uh, an in-house course as well, which we created, uh, which is a shorter and designed to support the competency and training assessment process of ANTT. Uh, that's much cheaper and uh, and uh, to education is, is free uh, and so on. So overall, we provide free and some chargeable resources uh, with the mantra that people will always be able to get our core resources for free and implement ANTT at no cost if, if that's what they wish to do. So it sounds like you have a very comprehensive uh, set of materials that are available. And we will share your website again for our listeners on our show notes, so you'll be able to find your way to their website as well. So this concludes this session of Talking in Vain, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. I want to thank you, Stephen Rowley and Simon Clare, for being my guests today. And thank you for listening.